You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Romans chapter 8 is where we're at. If you don't have a Bible this morning, please slip your hand up, and we'll be happy to get a copy of God's Word into your lap that you might follow along. Romans chapter 8, we're looking at this morning, verses 12 to 17. I continue on in our series called Holy Alive by the Power of the Holy Spirit. And really what this whole sermon series has come to today is simply a, this, the title of this t- today's sermon is this, My Brand New Life in Jesus. Here's the reality we want to focus on. When Jesus saves us, outwardly we might be the same person, but inwardly everything is changed and we're a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's why we put this on our baptism shirts every week. Every week we have baptism to remind us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. This is the joy we have as believers. This is really every believer's, in essence, this is every believer's story in Jesus Christ. Here's what every believer's testimony really boils down to this morning. I was one time wandering in the dark and dangerous streets of the world, looking for and longing for love in any way I could get it, trying to fill the emptiness of my soul with anything that would give me temporary joy. When out of nowhere, who shows up? Jesus Christ shows up. And in him I discovered the love and acceptance and meaning and fulfillment that I'd been searching for all along. And Jesus stopped me dead in my tracks and he rescued me and he took me in as his very own. Spiritually speaking, every one of us was like an orphan street kid but given a brand new start and a brand new identity through the power of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and this is where Romans 8 brings us to in our texts. So here's what it says in Romans 8. This is the message of what we are gonna study this morning, what it is to have a brand new life in Jesus Christ, new way of living, new identity in Jesus Christ. Everything's brand new. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8. Follow along with me. Starting at verse 12. Little subtitle, Heirs with Christ. Verse 12, so then brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of god are sons and daughters of god if you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Isn't this passage amazing? So often 
In our Christian lives, we get to the, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do for Christ? What are we gonna do for Christ? And yet this passage, this whole, this whole Romans 8 brings us to like, man, who are we already in Christ? And what is Christ gonna do in us for his glory? This is, this is what Christ, Christ has done for us and is continuing to do for us for his glory. Uh, when we get to Romans chapter 8, verse 12 here, Paul is reminding, he's not really rebuking his people here, he's reminding his people of what it is to live brand new in Jesus Christ. Look at how he starts in verse 12, so then, brothers and sisters, he's not hammering his people this morning. He's reminding us, he's saying, so then, what's it mean by so then? In other words, in light of all we've studied in Romans 8 so far, because of the fact that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ, because of the fact that we have been freed from the law of sin and death, because the Holy Spirit has radically transformed everything about the, our thinking and our mindset because of these things, guess what? We have a totally new life in Jesus Christ to live in a different way and to, and to know ourselves in a different way in Jesus. So then, brothers, he's saying be reminded of this. This would be good for you to be reminded of today that we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, which ultimately leads to death, but we are now governed by somebody new, the Holy Spirit, to help us put to death the deeds of the body that we might live. In a nutshell, here's what he's saying. Point number one, you can write in your notes. In our new life in Jesus Christ, I am no longer at the mercy of the enemy. I am no longer at the mercy of the enemy. This is, in essence, what verses 12 and 13 are trying to tell us here. We are debtors, not to the flesh. What does this mean? What does this phrase mean? This phrase simply means this. We are no longer under obligation to live according to the basic primal instincts of this fend-for-myself survival mentality. And we're no longer obligated to fulfill every self-indulgence, every destructive self-indulgence that comes our way. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to give in to Satan's direction in our lives. We're no longer indebted to be under the control of the enemy. Isn't that amazing? Think debt with me for a minute. Think of this word debt or if you're indebted to something or someone, you live under their power or control. Most of us have mortgages or credit card debt that we can't seem to bury ourselves from underneath and it's, we're, we're constantly owing something to our mortgage holder or credit card company. And we get our paychecks. We can't do with them whatever we want. Why? Because we first have to make a payment to whom our money is due. And it controls us, doesn't it? It kind of governs everything that we do and we long to get out from underneath this debt because before anything else, we have to pay what we owe. We're under the control of somebody else. This is what it means to sort of be debtors of the flesh. Before anything else, before we were saved, we were first controlled by the demands of Satan who holds our lives ransom. We can't just do whatever we want in the freedom that Christ has given us, Christ wanted to give us because we were controlled by Satan. You remember, you remember what it was like before you knew Jesus. You just seemed to be compelled and controlled by those destructive things in your life that you knew were killing you, but you just couldn't seem to do anything about. Satan called the shots. Remember when Satan called the shots and you seemed to be like a, a robot that was going and you... What am I gonna do, God? And, and yet when Jesus Christ came, here's what's the truth is, when Jesus Christ came, 
He rescued me from myself and my sin and, and a life of depravity on the streets of the world. And he brought me into a whole new set of standards and completely new objectives that will take me on a spiritually holy and healthy trajectory in my life, one that leads to life and not death. Jesus overtly rescued us from that sin nature, and the sin nature can no longer impose upon me or overpower me any longer because of Jesus. This is what it means to be saved into a brand new life. This is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To live life in the Holy Spirit. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if, the, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Every believer here is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit who is showing us a brand new way to live life. He is steering us away from the old neighborhoods which we used to run in. And now we, he leads us into the neighborhoods of truth and righteousness. We learned last week that the Holy Spirit is our, our thought coach, right? And he trains our minds. Well, this week we're learning the Holy Spirit is our personal life coach that leads us out of bondage into a brand new life in Jesus Christ in the ways of the Lord. To help you understand the full significance of this, because I sometimes think that we, kind of in the Christian life, we're just like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I live the Christian life, and, but we don't recognize how drastically the Christian life has, has changed us and shaped us and is changing us and shaping us. Read an article a couple months ago about two professional baseball players in the major leagues that at the end of last season in November, they took time away from the game. Adam LaRoche is one of them. He's now retired. He turned away $13 million this year to retire and do what I'm going to share with you for a full-time living. The other guy's name was Blaine Bauer, a pitcher for the Brewers. And what they did is they took 10 days and went to Southeast Asia and spent 10 days in the brothels of Southeast Asia wearing hidden cameras and doing undercover work to rescue sex slaves. It's astounding, isn't it? Like these guys make all this money, all this fame. They put their lives on the line. Why? To go into a place of debauchery and sin and oppression and bondage to identify children that could be rescued from sex slavery. In the 10 days, they brought kids out of slavery and opened up for them a whole new life. We often don't think of it in this way, but we were before Jesus in the same way under complete compulsion of Satan, the enemy, our pimp who had completely horrible designs for our life, and yet Jesus rescued us from that by the power of the cross and the supernatural influence and strength of the Holy Spirit so that our old life is completely gone and a brand new life is here in Jesus Christ. So we're no longer obligated anymore to live by the demands of Satan and the horrible influence of the flesh and the old habits that we were accustomed to knowing that were ultimately gonna gobble us up and kill us. This is good news for us. As you read this, I hope you see this as good news as I do. That we are no longer obligated to live according to the flesh or according to the demands of Satan, but we've been set free. You know what this means for us today as believers? We can truly be set free from all of those horrible things that we were and that we did before we were saved. And if you're sitting here going, I've been a Christian my whole life, I never did any of those things, then you don't really fully understand salvation yet because salvation means that we were all at one point alienated from God in that place. 
Think of some of the ways that you were before Jesus Christ. Some of, the, the, some of us here were consumed in our minds and our affections and our wills with things that were completely evil. Maybe even sexual things like, like we talked about the last couple of weeks. Maybe it wasn't that, but it was the anger that decimated our relationships. But do you realize that this passage teaches that we can be done with those things? Maybe it's a selfish pride that trampled on and belittled others and, and we, we recognize that that was wrong. And yeah, we, can, we can, we say, well, I can't, it's just the way I am. I can't. We can be done with that. Now we can be finished with that. Now that's old news. That's the old life that I used to live, but Christ has freed me to a brand new life. Maybe others of us have been consumed with our deceiving ways and we fail to recognize that Christ has set us free from that. And that we can live in freedom today as John 8, 36 says that if we've been set free, we can be free indeed. Those chains can be severed in our lives and we can now live for a whole new master named Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. This passage is teaching us that we have a new master now. A good guardian who leads us into the ways of God, a good guardian who busts through the doors of our spiritual brothels and pulls us out and leads us through a daring escape to completely start over in a brand new life. A God who brings us to a healthy place, a place where we can make God-honoring choices and have a future in Jesus Christ. This is the reality for all those who are willing to submit themselves and be led by the Holy Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death, if by the Spirit we decide that we are willing to go with, go with Jesus as he rescues us, if by the Holy Spirit we're not saying, well, you know, this is all I know, I'm just gonna stay here, but if by the Holy Spirit we're willing to take him by the hand and escape by the night, then we can, then we can have a whole new outlook on life. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit if we submit ourselves to God and say, God, I want you to be my master now and I don't wanna go back to the old place so often people take this passage, well, to be led by the Spirit means that you, and God shows you what kind of job you're gonna live and what kind of job you're gonna do and where to live and who to marry. That is one way of being led by the Spirit, but ultimately this passage is not talking about that way of being led by the Spirit. This passage is talking about submitting yourself to the Spirit and allowing God to teach you a whole new set of ways of living and interacting with others in the world around you that you just have no concept of because you're so engrossed in sin in the control of the enemy. This type of led by the Spirit is those who are willing to learn from God and be taught by God what it means to live a healthy and productive life for God and, and have the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, and 23, having the fruit of the Spirit be the, 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 the attitudes and the actions that govern our lives now instead of the sinful ones. Those who are willing to allow God to do this in them, creating us love and joy and Peace and patience, you know them, right? And kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is what it means to truly be wholly alive, to allow God to lead us in the ways of righteousness, in the ways of sin, to allow God to show us, as Isaiah 30, 21 says, this is the new way, now walk in it. What freedom we have in Jesus that I sometimes think we don't even fully understand. 
Instead of looking to Jesus to say, okay, God, I, I am now in a new place. I'm not there anymore. I've been rescued. We, 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 our mindsets go back to the way that we've always known, and we have to fight that old nature, right? We have to fight it, but Jesus said, just look at me, and I'll show you a brand new way to live life, a way that is gonna bring you hope and peace and a life and not death. How many of us today, how many of us today even know this in our heads but don't know the fullness of the Holy Spirit to live it out every day? The reality is we've been rescued but we still live as if we're in slavery. We still live as if there's nothing we can do about the way that we are and yet Jesus is saying to us today, saying to you today, like come, follow me. I'm gonna teach you a whole new way to live life so that the old is gone and the new here is here and this is gonna bring you joy and everything that your soul is longing for that you couldn't find in your old life. But it takes, it takes an agreement for us. It takes us submitting and being willing to fight the flesh and to pursue the things of God. It's an amazing reality that I'm not sure we fully get because we try to fight this fight in our own strength and we don't submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Scriptures tell us that we have everything we need to live the new life in Jesus Christ by the power of not you and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It is possible, get this, it is possible to live a new life in Jesus Christ. It's possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Brand new life starts with realizing that, man, we've been free to live a brand new way in Jesus. But it doesn't end there. That's a, that's a concept I hope we get today. Because you know, some of us still live in that place where we're just... I just pray we get to the place where, okay, God, I, I want that, I need that, I surrender, do in me what you need to do to make it happen. But also doing that, knowing that Jesus Christ, when he rescued us, he didn't just give us a whole new way to live, he gave us a whole new identity in his son. God gives a whole new identity in his son. The second part of this is the part that we always want to focus on, but we just can't skip verses 12 and 13. We, that's why we do verse by verse, word by word, so we don't skip anything that's good. Most pastors I hear preach just skip 12 and 13 and jump right to 14, but we can't do that, right? Because we miss out on the power of what it is. But here's the reality that we have to get to as we recognize our new life, our new freedom in Jesus. Jesus Christ, when he saved us and rescued us from the, the, the depths of sin, you know what? He didn't just rescue us to a safe house as the baseball players did with the children they rescued, like, rescued you, good luck, slap, slap, high five, I'm out. Here's what Jesus did. He rescued us to the ultimate safe house, God's house, and welcomed into his family. This makes the glory of the gospel so much greater. God, putting it in the terms of what we just kind of looked at illustration, God rescued us, but he rescued us and brought us into his own spiritual family. That we could then enjoy all the rights and all the privileges and all the perks of being a part of the family of God. Can you imagine how powerful that baseball story, player story would have been if those guys would have rescued them and then brought them to America and actually brought them into their homes and made them their own children? Wow, that just brings it from like here to where? That's what Jesus did. He brought it from like, I was rescued to like, wow, was I rescued. Can you imagine being rescued from a 
Southeast Asia and being brought to America and living with a guy who makes $13 million a year. We've been rescued from spiritual slavery and brought into the home of a God who owns the entire universe. As we surrender and accept Christ's invitation for rescue, knowing that, here's the reality, because I know some of us are tempted to go back to the old, here's the reality, there's no going back. There's just absolutely no going back. There's no visiting on weekends and living this double life as we're sometimes prone to. There's no cleaning up for supper and then after supper going out and doing whatever you used to do. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Here's what the Holy Spirit does when he indwells us. He compels us, he pulls us, or he obligates us, or he gives us a, a, a passion for living out the things of Jesus. He helps us see what a wonderful privilege it is to be called a child of God. This is where this text goes. So we so, we so get the fact that, man, we are, this is amazing, this reality, that we'll never want to go back. Here's what it says in verse 14. Write this down if you haven't already. I am forever a child of God. This is the second truth to what it means to being fully alive in, in this brand new life. I've been given a new way to live, but I am forever a child of God. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Get this today, brothers and sisters. If you are a saved follower of Jesus Christ, you are forever a child of God. Can I say it again? Because I don't know. I've, this causes me to be astounded. If you're saved today, get this. You are forever a child of God. In other words, he plucked you out. He opened his door wide. He brought you into your new bedroom. He, he put your name at the bottom of the family list. You know, he, he gave you access to him at any time of day. Perfect fellowship with him. He gave you a pre-programmed cell phone with his, his number already pre-dialed pre into there. And he's like, hey, what is mine is yours and yours is mine. And you are now one of my children forever. I get it. It's hard for us to get, isn't it? get it with our earthly parents, but it's just so hard for us to wrap our minds around this amazing concept of how truly awesome the love of God is for us. And so because we don't get it sometimes, we just push it away. We can't push it away today if we're going to know the fullness of Jesus Christ. We can't push it away. Let your heart soak these truths in today. We're sons and daughters of God. For all who led by the Spirit, it says here, for all who allow God to call them out and Welcome them in. We're sons and daughters of the living God. This word sons, it means not like a baby infant, but it means a mature child, enough to engage in family privileges and responsibilities. That's the original meaning of the, the word. It's not like they, God rescued a baby, so we're really incapacitated. He, he rescued us as like teenagers, you know, and, and, and just give, gives us all the privileges and responsibilities of being a part of his family. Welcomes us in and Adds our name to his family tree. It's not just any family tree. Oh, great, I have a last. This is the family tree. This is the only family tree that's going to last forever. This is the family tree. That are, it's not like, oh, I got a pretty prominent name. No, I have the prominent name now. 
Because of that, there's no more fear. Look at this. For all who are led by the sons of God have been given not a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We, we've been given a spirit that doesn't have to fear any longer. We no longer have to live in fear. Again, back to the illustration of the kids being rescued from the brothel. Can you imagine the fear that would encompass their hearts every single night as they laid their heads on their pillow? Can you imagine the fear that would well up in them every time they heard footsteps coming down the stairs? Yet we've been rescued to a place where we can lay our head down at night and we don't have to fear anything evil coming from the one who watches over us and governs us. We don't have to fear being forced to do anything that we shouldn't do or don't want to do or or, are repulsed by ever again. We can lay down and put our heads on the pillow at night with perfect peace knowing we have a God who loves us, and the God who loves us, First John tells us, when we see the love of God, it dispels the fear within us. So we no longer have to fear again because we know we have a Father who is good. We no longer have to fear again. Remember those, those shirts we used to have, and maybe you're too young to remember that. Remember the shirts, the No Fear T-shirts? All those little punks with these little spinning little arms, like no fear. Go, they boo! Ah! No fear. I mean, yeah, you know, roll up the sleeves a little higher, you know. But we can truly wear like the no fear T-shirt. When it's talking about no fear here of slavery, it means we have nothing to fear. That when we are under our Father's care, that the old. The old master is going to come and somehow clutch us and rip us out of the father's hands. We, we don't have to fear that ever. Sometimes we do, don't we? We fear that. We don't have to fear that any longer. John 10 tells us that, that, that our, our, new, our new guardian holds us so tightly that nothing can snatch us out of his hands, not even the enemy. We don't have to fear any longer the consequences of our sin and judgment and death. We have to fear that any longer. Sometimes we lay awake at night fearing that we can put that fear to rest because we have a new guardian, a good guardian. We don't have to even fear falling back into the same patterns and returning to the old lifestyle that we sometimes do. We don't have to fear that. What if it overtakes me again? What if I can't? We can't, but Jesus will protect us and keep us from going there again. When I walk through the doors of God's house, everything, everything completely changes. I am forever forever a child of the king. In fact, it says here that we've been adopted as sons and daughters. We've been officially forever brought into the family of God. We're not talking about adoption like we have the adoptive student here every fall where we throw some college students' names out and then you kind of adopt them, you welcome them into your home once a week for meals, do their laundry and then send them on their way with a pat on the back. That's not the kind of the adoption we're talking about. We're not even talking about the adoption of like the compassion child where you're sending letters and money to some kid overseas and where you, you kind of care, but you know, it's not, we're talking adoption as in uh, the same kind we see in, in our world today where we're Parents actively go out of their way to loving, gracious, giving people go out of their way to find a child and choose a child and pick a child up and call them out and bring them to their home and love them as their very own. This is the adoption we're talking about, just to help you understand the full significance of it. This is what Jesus Christ did for us 
He adopted us. He sought after us. He found us. I don't get this, but of all the kids in the world that he could have adopted, he chose us. It's because we're smart, because we're, no. It's because we're good looking. Absolutely not. Stand here where I look and you'll, I'm just kidding. I know you sit where you, that's why I have a beard, to cover that up. But because he's good and because he's gracious and because he has enough love to consume all of us, he's adopted us to the place where Isaiah 43, one says that we, he has redeemed us. He's called us by name and we are his. Let these truths sink into your soul today. We are his, that we can now call him Abba Father. What's that mean? Abba Father, there's really, there's really no translation for that, but it's sort of like Daddy Papa. It's the same term that Jesus used when he referred to God his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Abba, Father. He's really invited us into a place where we can use the exact same term that Jesus used for God. We can now use it with our Heavenly Father. We have the privilege of calling God of the universe Daddy, Papa. Bill McDonald says this, it simply is the full reality of he who is infinitely high is also intimately nigh or intimately close. We often refer to God as like, oh, holy God almighty, he is. Also, he is, but he's also Abba, Father. In other words, we get to relate to God in a different way than anyone else in the world does. It's not part of the children of God. We often hear in our world, well, we're all children of God. We're all part of God's family. That just, I'm telling you right now, that's not true. Yes, God created us. Yes, God loves us. But we're not, the whole, every person on this planet is not part of God's family. We're not all God's children. We're God's children by those who've seen the reality of our sin, seen the reality of Jesus, humble ourselves, got on our faces and said, God, I need you to save me. That's the that's the, the power, the powerful act that God has done to bring us to that place, to bring us into his family. And now that we're into his family, we are called children of God. And this is a special privilege that nobody else on the planet that doesn't know Jesus Christ has with God. This is a special relationship. This is a special privilege. Those of us who are saved are not just saved. Come to, we become accustomed to our Christian. Are you saved? Oh, yeah, I'm saved. We're not just saved. We've been brought into God's forever family. Oh, I am a Christian. Uh, no, you're not. You've been brought into God's forever family, united with the God of the universe. You letting this, these truths wash over your soul today? These are significant. We've been brought into God's forever family. This is the new term that is out there today for the adoption process. We see a lot of emphasis on that in our culture today, and there's a lot in our church that have stepped out of their comfort zones to follow the call of God to bring a child that is not technically theirs into their families and adopt them. And so the new, the new fad is, I want you to think of this in terms of your salvation, the new, to help you understand the significance of this. The new fad is that uh, it's really cool. You, once you adopt a child, you uh, dress them all up in a nice little outfit, and you stand them up beside a sign or a blackboard or a billboard or something that has kind of like the reality of, of where they've come from and now where they are in uh, their new family. 
And uh, it's just a significant time. And I've seen people in our church uh, kind of give me those little cards of like, look what God's done. And, and I got them on my, in, my, in my office of the, all the pictures of the kids that have been adopted. It's such a picture of God's grace, isn't it? You Google it this week and you'll see all kinds of like videos and stories of, it, it's powerful, it'll make you cry. Even guys, you'll cry. Give yourself a little bit of time, you'll cry. Just to see how significant this adoption thing is. And so I, I Googled it this week and then wiped the tears away for a couple minutes after. But here's, here's, here's some of the ways that, that, that this is depicted in our culture today that really show us the full reality of our salvation in Jesus. My forever family celebrations. The first one I looked at was a little boy standing beside this blackboard that said this, after 1,421 days in foster care, today is day one with my forever family. This place for 1,421 days, a beaming family beside him, little smile on his face. Another one said this, I am chosen, I am loved, I am adopted. Another one, born not from our flesh, but born in our hearts. You were wanted and longed for and loved from the beginning. Last one, for 781 days. That's a lot of days. I've shared their love. Today I share their last name. This is the power of our new life and new identity in Jesus Christ. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there was kids from all walks of life. You could tell that there was some, some kids from good backgrounds and tough backgrounds, and, and there was all, all races and all shapes and sizes. There was good-looking kids. There was not-so-good-looking kids, and yet every kid had, like, the biggest smile on their face, and a family beside them was just, like, all tears and all smiles. And it's like, that's a picture of how God loves and accepts us into his family. And think about it. That's our story. Every one of us was abandoned and orphaned for X number of days before we came to know Jesus Christ. Oh, no, pastor, I grew up in the Christian home. That is good and true, but your parents were Christian, but you weren't Christian from the time you were born, for sure. Some of us, it was like five years. Some of us, it was 10 years. Some of us, it was like 25 years and 35 years and 45 years. We were all alone for all that time until Jesus came and put us into God's family. The, 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 the smiles, the tears, this is such a significant thing for us. Here's what, here's what God did. He loved us. He chose us. He adopted us and he gave us his last name. I don't care what your last name is here today. If you're a believer today, your last name is this. It's Christian. Because of the grace of God, 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 6, verse 17, B to 18 says this. Here's, here's, here's what God says to us in his word. I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Some of us just need to let this really hit our hearts today. We've been feeling alone. We've been feeling abandoned. We've been feeling like no one cares. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Not we hope to be. See what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, we are the most privileged people on the planet today. 
The Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, that this is actually true. How do you ultimately know that this is true of you? Well, the Holy Spirit bears witness in our hearts to this reality. If you're saved today, you know it. How do you know? By the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Because something inside of you just knows. And whenever you, it's like my son, my youngest son, he's only nine months old. And yet, he doesn't understand a lot, but you know one thing he does know? I'm his dad. When I walk in that, that home after work, you know what he does? His face goes, he does this little like tear it on thing. He's like, <laughs> it's kind of weird, but we love him. <laughs> and instinctively, he just knows that I'm his dad. I think he's saying dad. Ruth thinks he's saying dat, but he points and he goes dad or dat. I'm going to stick with dad. The Holy Spirit does this in us. He, 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 but through the, power of his, the Spirit and through the Word of God, we instinctively know that, that God is our Father. And, and whenever Jesus' name comes up or Jesus walks in the room, our hearts leap for joy. That's how we know we're children of God. Whenever the Word of God is open, there's something within us that's like, pound, 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 pound. I love hearing from my Father. Whenever prayer comes up, it's like, oh, I don't want to pray. It's like, I can't wait to talk to my God. That's how the Holy Spirit bears witness in our lives, that we're children of God. He confirms it. If you're a child of God today, you know you're a child of God because you relate to Abba Father in a way you never thought was possible. Again, I, I gotta stop because I don't want you to miss how amazing this is. We can walk through a lifetime and not fully grasp how amazing our salvation is in our Heavenly Father. Think this. Holy creator, God, all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present one. He not just rescued us, but he invited, <coughs> he invited us into his family and encourages us sinful human beings to call him Father. This is the greatest news of grace that we could ever imagine. And quite honestly, this changes everything for us. I don't just want to leave you with a whole bunch of head knowledge here. I want to help you understand how this applies to your life because if we really grasp the full love of God, our lives are going to be radically different starting from the moment we leave this place today. Here's four truths I want to leave you with as for application as we end this service. And these are four truths that, again, I just want to help this reality drive deep into your hearts Here's the awesome truth of a brand new life in Jesus Christ, a new way to live and a new identity in my Father because I now have a, a, a guardian, a God who loves me. I have an intimate closeness with my God. Through the Holy Spirit, I have a special relationship with God that is closer than my earthly parents, is closer than my blood relatives, is closer than my closest friend or my spouse or my kids. The Holy Spirit, God living within me, brings me into an intimacy with the Father that we can't find here on this earth. And now we can relate to God in a brand new way that is meaningful and impactful for us. Think about this, only three kids in this world call me daddy. There's only three kids in this world whom I will respond to in a special way like 
like I will with my three kids. I walk out of this room and, and all your kids come running up and be like, Daddy, Daddy. I'll be like, hi, hi, pat, pat, hug, hug. And, but, but my kids, and you know, oh, wow, like I'm there. This is the way that we now get to relate to God. It says that we can cry, Abba, Father. In times of turmoil, we can cry to God and God responds like a father. When my kids cry in the middle of the night, it's not like, oh, brother, who's gonna get up? Well, sometimes. (laughs) But I'm sinful, don't forget. It's usually more of a like, how fast can I get that you're bumping into the door frames and you're, what's going on, what's wrong, what's wrong? That's how God responds to our cries. Abba, Father, he cares, he's a compassionate heart for us. The same time when I come home from work and Zach doesn't do any more, Maya's like, Daddy, Daddy. It's not like a like scram kid. It's like computer down. It's like Maya. It's like, Daddy, I missed you. It's like you get down on your knees and you hug and you're like, I have time for you. And Ruth's standing there going like, what about me? I'm your wife. Here's the minute. I got my little girl. You know, my little girl. <laughs> this is how God responds when we cry, whatever your circumstances. When we cry, God responds even better than we do because he's the perfect heavenly father. How many of us now, we might know this in our heads, but now we respond to God and we interact with God on a daily basis thinking that he's not our awesome heavenly father, but he's more like a sugar daddy and he's he's the one that we just gotta snap, snap, come on God, where are you, where are you? But we've missed this intimate, vital relationship with or we think he's the overbearing daddy who's just there to... To, to govern our lives and watch, make sure you don't do this, make sure you don't do that. But we, you ever relate to God like that? That's not what this point, that's not the freedom and the fullness of, of, the, of life wholly alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. The freedom of the life fully alive by the power of the Holy Spirit is to relate to God as our heavenly Father that cares for us. He could be our, he's our confidant and our comforter and our caretaker and our close father friend. I have an intimate closeness with God. Are you living in that closeness with God this week? Or have you strayed? God hasn't moved. Or have you strayed and you're starting to re- respond to God like someone or something else and you fully miss out? Where's the power of this relationship with God? I don't feel it, I don't sense it, but you stop to relating to God as your heavenly father. God wants you to come back to the place where you notice that you know he's an intimate, loving God that cares about you deeply. Second thing is this, I can have a confident identity. If all this is true, I not only have an intimate closeness, but have a confident identity. How many of us run through this life striving to find our identity in everything else but God? And we work so hard, we exhaust ourselves to help people respect us and honor us and, and hold us where we think we're in a place of worthiness. And so, and so we bust our behinds off trying to work hard to get this, this title or we put all of our hope in, our, in our, what we have. We parade around in our little car and our fancy little whatever and show off our house. And many of us work so hard and are trying to find our identity. Where's my identity? Where's our identity? And some of us, some of us do it with the degree on our wall. Well, I'm pretty smart. You gotta respect me. Here's my identity. It's in the degree on my wall or it's, how good my kids are, and well, I'm a good mom, I'm a good dad, or the friends I hang out with, or it's the trying to sculpt this perfect body image, or have everyone think that you've got it all together, so you're just a little bit above them, and, and we come up empty and exhausted and tired and frustrated and discouraged. Guess what? We can put all that aside now, right? Because we have a heavenly Father who loves us, and guess what? Our identity is this. Your identity is this. It's we're children of God. 
God has already lavished upon us all the worth and value and honor that we need, that we don't have to worry. Yes, we care as believers with others, but we don't have to worry about having their opinion anymore or earning to find their favor because we have all the, my identity is a child of God. Pass or fail, I'm a child of God. We don't have to find our identities in the same way the world does anymore. This is freedom. I don't know about you, but this is freedom for this guy right here. That pressure's gone. The CEO of the universe, my father, the king that rules all others, chose me and loves me and has given me his last name. Which also means this, I have a stable security. I'm completely secure and stable. I am loved and protected like no one else on this earth. My father has me covered. I truly don't have to fear not just judgment and not just wrath. I don't have to fear anything because God promises he's the the father that looks over the house. He's the father that takes care of every one of our needs in just the right time, in just the way we need it. I can rest secure every night knowing that my dad has my back, knowing that I will never have to live another night on the streets, knowing that I will never have to do, go back to that old lifestyle. God has me covered perfectly and I am forever in his family. I will always have a place to lay my head and I will always have everything that I I need. I can live in stable security. Insecurity and fear can be totally wiped off off my grid because of the reality of the Holy Spirit in me. Finally this, I have an outstanding, an astounding inheritance. We put so much stock in this life. Let me just tell you this again. I tell you this often. It's not all about this life. If we're hoping to get everything we long for in this life, we're gonna be miserably disappointed when we get it. Reality is we have something greater to look forward to and when Jesus welcomed into his family, he also gave us an astounding inheritance. We are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. In other words, the promises of God in the future and our future inheritance in heaven are completely assured. All that the Father has is ours and all that we have is his. We're like, it's it. Some of us are waiting so much for our earthly inheritance and we can't wait. We get our earthly inheritance, things are gonna be better. And ultimately, the earthly inheritance kind of stinks. Your parents have to die to get everything that held their leftovers. Really. But our heavenly inheritance is so awesome because we get to move to the next life. We get to die. We get all the best that God already has. We get glimpses of that here on earth. We're not gonna fully understand that till heaven. And what's the best that God has is Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ have? He owns everything. Our inheritance is better than Donald Trump's kids. Let that rearrange your thinking as you think about what it really means to live life this coming week and this coming month and this coming year. Everything that God's is already ours by the power of the Holy Spirit, and one day we're gonna be the heirs to an eternal throne. Awesome. Can you imagine how our lives would change if we just lived out these simple truths of a brand new life in Jesus? If we realize that we've been rescued, not just like a little bit rescued, but like rescued, welcomed into the home and the family of God, that we'll never lack again in our lives. You know the victory there? You know the power there? 
This is God's design for our life, to make us fully alive in Jesus. We no longer have to live with the enemy, but instead make my home with God the Father. There's no greater joy. There's no greater blessing. There's no deeper blessing. This even brings your fellowship with God to a whole new level this week as you get on with your week and you read his word and you talk to him in prayer and you hold your head high knowing knowing that your God is for you. And you're an eternally secure child of the living God. This is a game changer. I don't know how else to say it. I've given it everything I got. Let me pray and ask now that the Holy Spirit will help us. Help us. Not just get it, but get it so that we really get it with the way we live our lives. Let me pray. Father, we're astounded by the truth of your scriptures. We're astounded at the full meaning of the cross of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in every believer. God, we don't claim to fully get it today, but we all simply ask this. We all need to be renewed and revived in the love of our Father. So we ask this, oh God, that you'd open our minds and our hearts to see how awesome you are and how deep your love is for us. This is a truth, God, that never gets old and boring. It's never like, oh, the pastor's talking about love again. This is the defining reality of our lives as Christians, that we, that we have the privilege and the opportunity to live this life with you as our intimate father. God, for every heart here that doubts that today because of maybe their circumstances or because of maybe their belief system, God, would you just, would you crush their minds and their hearts to really get this? For those that are in true disbelief, God, only you can make it happen. Help them see the love of the Father. For those who are believers today, God, have forgotten this because life's gotten hard lately. It doesn't make sense anymore. And things aren't going the way we thought they should. And they started to believe that maybe you love every other believer but me. Father, would you again remind them of the length you went to find them, to bring them out, to welcome them into your home, to make their bed, to add them to your family tree, and then to shower them with your unending love and faithfulness. So many here today, God, I'm convinced need to be reminded of that again today. Can you make that happen, God? I can't. For those, God, that are here that are already living this and striving to understand this in our little finite minds, this infinite truth in our finite minds, catching glimpses of it, God, I just pray that you'd bring us to a fullness this morning, that we know the full reality of how deep and how wide and how high the love of our Father is. May this truth not just be a momentary, that's cool in our heads today, but may, may this be the underpinning, defining reality of our very lives as we live this week and this year for the glory of God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. We desperately don't deserve it. But thanking your grace and your mercy, you have done the unthinkable and have brought us into your very presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca.